From the former convent of the Church of the Good Shepherd overlooking the farmer's market and the park here in Inwood, New York City, welcome to Inwood Artworks On Air. It's where we meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, and theater makers, and artists of all stripes who make their home in what we affectionately call Upstate Manhattan. I'm your host, Aaron Sims, and today we welcome actor and improviser Matt Higgins. Matt Higgins is an original member of the spontaneous theater troupes Centralia and Burn Manhattan. He performs regularly with Centralia at the People's Improv Theater in New York City. His improvisation bears the indelible influence of past directors Paul Sills, Shira Piven, as well as teachers Ralph Buckley, Paul Lazar, and Josh Broder. Matt is an Andy Kaufman Award finalist, and his stand-up has appeared on Comedy Central. His TV credits include The Jim Gaffigan Show, Late Night, and Law and & Order. Films include The Shadow Boxer, a Lee Daniels film. In addition, he's also a founding member of Up Theater Company. Together with Josh Livewright and Victor Verhage, he launched the What If, a short film project about choosing love over hate, fear, and violence. The What If films have played festivals in New York City, Los Angeles, and Tokyo. In early 2019, Matt Rapp production on The Improviser, an improv comedy concert film co-produced and directed by Josh Livewright. We're going to talk about that and so much more. But first, let me welcome you, Matt, to Inwood Artworks On Air. Good to see you. Yeah, thank you so much, Aaron. I'm really um, happy and excited to be here with you. How you been? I've been great. I've been hanging in, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's been, uh, hasn't been easy, I know, for anyone. And, uh, but as things go, I feel pretty fortunate and yeah. um, managed to stay, uh, you know, uh, creative throughout this, you know, crazy time. You are the epitome of creative, I feel. Like, oh, like thank you, you. you've always, like, you, a, a, a positive creativity at that. You always have the wheels turning. And even though maybe society has not let us do everything we creatively yearned to do mm-hmm. in the past year or so, but I feel like you're one of those people who have always pushed into the light. Well, it takes one to know one, Mr. Sims, uh, because I, uh, I I really appreciate that, and that is I receive that. Thank you very much, uh, sure. and uh, the same can be said for you too. Well, thanks. Um, well, if anyone has ever attended one of our pop up galleries or back porch show or dropped by at our culture hub, they saw Matt perform um, solo or with Centralia. Um, it's always been a pleasure watching you perform uh, and seeing your creativity at work. Um, where does your love for performance come from? Oh, wow. Um, I think that it, um, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know where it comes from. Sure, that's fair. So if, if I had to make a guess, uh, I would guess that it comes from, I think it comes from my parents. I think it comes from my mom. Uh, specifically, and my dad, but specifically, I think for my mom because she, uh, you know, she she always you know sang in church and uh, you know sang in the, the choir. She's kind of like the star of the church choir, and um, you know every Christmas she would sing uh, "Oh Holy Night" and at the midnight mass and stuff like that. So I think it probably comes from her um, because I think that. Uh, well, so for example, when I was in high school, so I come from, a, you know, I have lots of siblings. I have six si- siblings. Uh, I have four brothers and two sisters, and I'm like somewhere right in the middle, kind of like more toward the end. And um, when, um, 
when I was in high school, I went out for the, the freshman basketball team. And I was always, you know, always involved in sports and athletics and stuff like that. And so I went out for the freshman uh, high school basketball team and I got cut. I was like the last person cut from the team. And when I went home, my mom immediately said, why don't you audition for the play? Like, it was like she was just ready for that. And so I went, the, it was like the boys and girls were separated. The girls were in another building. And so that was, it would require going to the girls' school to audition, which was, you know, which was really really cool right you know so um so i did it my mom i auditioned for hello dolly and my mom you know she was uh she helped me prepare my song and everything um and she really taught me like how to audition and so that was very cool that was the, yeah. really the first time and then then when i got you know sort of when i was going to college uh you know I really wanted to go for theater. My dad said, you know, do you really want to go for theater? And I said, yeah, I, I really do. And then he just fully supported that. Nobody ever in my family, you know, had ever uh, done anything like that before. And uh, my parents didn't go to college. And so I think at that point, you know, they had sent, you know, what, uh, four people off to college. I think they were kind of like, yeah, we'll roll the dice on this one. This <laughs> sounds good. Take and also my, um, I, you know, my brothers and sisters were, were very supportive of my comedy and and stuff. And were the only were you the only sibling to have like an artistic bent? No, um, not at all. Everyone, uh, my older siblings, all played uh, musical instruments, oh, wow. and my sister Mary, in particular, she uh, she played multiple. In she was really good at the piano. She was great at the harp. Uh, she played, uh, you know, the the she played organ for. Um, you know, she got paid, like there was like a Lutheran church that I think was Lutheran that she played for. And, um, and so that was all through grade school and then high school for, <clears throat> for my sister Mary, she, she played, you know, she was playing instruments all the time. And, um, and then still to this day, uh, she plays in a quartet, um, like a classical quartet. And, but she went to school, for, she went to school for, uh, for law and, uh, eventually, you know, practice law and was a teacher. My brother John played trombone and uh, he was, he went to, uh, he went to a high school called Father Judge in Philadelphia and um, during the football games I remember looking over at my brother John playing trombone and being so excited because he was like in the like the pep band or whatever yeah. and he would stand up and play like bump, bump, Bum, bum, yeah, bum. And the energy, yeah. yeah, exactly. And he'd have like a rubber chicken tied on the end of his <laughs> trumpet. And my brother Dave played drums. And my brother Steve played uh, a bunch of woodwind, wow, you know, really, saxophone. Really talented family. Yeah, but then you know everybody went on to do uh, really cool, you know, either scientific or related to law or computers or whatever. Man, that's a that's a. I could see. Well, you kind of answered my question where you left performance drums. Mm -hmm. you, have, you had a very theatrical and like artistic family in their own right. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, we um, for the first eleven years of my life, we were in uh, a row home in in Philly, and um, we had an old piano. And I can just I can remember as a kid just kind of playing in the living room and hearing Rhapsody in Blue being played. You know what I mean? So that was kind of like the background music yeah. and uh, different, you know, saxophone and things like that. So I definitely think that had a, an influence on me. Wow. Very cool. Um, well, you cite Paul Sills mm -hmm. as among others, among others as your influences. Yeah. Uh, 
you maybe think of like this like reflection on your past and like that. Like, do you have any specific memory of an experience that of, with him or them? That other 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 influencers that really like shaped your work itself? Yeah, I think probably more so it was probably Shira Piven mm -hmm. uh, had the the biggest uh, and actually sort of continues. Uh, you know, through the pandemic, we've stayed in touch. Uh, me and the other guys in Centralia, we've stayed in touch with Shira over Zoom. And we just do the imp these improvisation, uh, Shira leads it, improvisational writing. And um, it's really very, very cool. And I, I felt so, uh, so grateful to have that outlet, that creative outlet um, throughout this, you know, these past couple of years. Um, but in terms of Paul Sills, uh, what happened there was um, uh, my wife Tracy was doing um, theater at the Milwaukee Rep. Yeah. And uh, they, they were doing this really great little musical called Lumberjacks in Love. I know it. And yeah, do you really? Yeah, I oh. was at Milwaukee Rep for a year. Really? Okay. Yeah, so, um, uh, so she was doing that and having a great time and just like selling out like gangbusters. So I went out to visit her a couple of times, and I was there for one, one time for like a, a two-week stretch. And um, Tracy said to me, hey, Paul Sills is going to be coming and uh, workshopping, working on his new story theater. You know, that's legendary. Yeah. You know? So I was like, oh, my gosh. So she said, uh, you should get up in the morning. Be, th like their first you know, day of work was right. the following day. She's like, you should get up in the morning and go wait for him in the uh, lobby of the theater. Tell him who you are. Tell him who, who you've worked with and, you know, see if he'll let you watch or hang out. And I was like, oh, my gosh. So that was like something that scared me to do. Sure. In fact, like I love, you know, even like to this day, I, I do this thing where like I try to do, like yesterday I wanted to send an email. I was really scared to send this email to to someone to see if they'd let me perform and a venue here in New York City. But I was like, you know what, if I do it, uh, I'm gonna go get myself a pumpkin spice latte. So I, I try to reward well, myself. Yeah, exactly. So I did, I sent it and got the pumpkin spice latte. So, but anyway, so, uh, so in, um, in Milwaukee, so I did, I got up, I got like shower and everything, and I went to the theater and I waited there, and it was just like Tracy had, had said it would go. He walked in and I walked up to him, he's very approachable, and I said, hi, my name's Matt Higgins. Um, I work with Shira Piven. I've been to the Piven Theater Workshop a couple of times, you know, and yeah. uh, Byrne and Joyce Piven, you know, but I, I would love to watch your process. And he said, do you wanna watch or do you wanna play? And I was like, what? Oh, I was wow. like, holy mackerel. I said, I would love to play. Absolutely, you know, yes, exactly, for sure. So uh, he let me come in for, I guess, like four or so days to in the beginning of the workshop and workshop with them. And, um, and you know, I, I felt really very, very grateful. And, and I, at that point, you know, I had been doing it for a while, so I felt, you know, I I felt confident, I guess, with my um, with my abilities and um, and really thrilled. So, uh, yeah, the thing that struck me about him was he just he seemed so prepared, which was wild. Like he had stuff written on like index cards and and um, uh. And I, you know, I just, to this day, I kind of, I can vividly remember that experience. Wow. Yeah. Well, there's some morals in those stories, I tell yeah. you. Yeah. I mean, go get it, right? Totally go get it. Yeah. I, I was 
working with this kid, uh, a young man, and he, like, with a, a group, I forget where we were. Well, oh, we were at uh, LaGuardia Community College. And he said something like, yeah, I do improvisation. And I was like, really? That's very, really cool. Where do you do it? And he's like, I do it at, uh, I go in every Wednesday and do this free improv night at Artistic New Directions. I was like, I know Artistic New Directions. And he's like, yeah, it's really cool. I was like, yeah. I said, you know what? I said, you should go up to Jeffrey Sweet and you should tell him that you're an actor and that if he ever had a role for, you know, a guy like you to give you a call, he's like, I couldn't do that. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, you actually could do that because he's really cool, very approachable. And I think that in some way you might be doing him a favor someday yeah. by doing that. Sure. And um, but I can, you know, I saw myself in that kid wow. because that that thing of like, oh, I couldn't do that. But actually, you can do that. You can yeah. just go up. Just do it. Worst thing that you can say now, right? Yeah. That's but really I have to remind myself later on that I said this in this podcast to encourage myself to do that. You can just keep replaying this podcast. Replay, yeah, <laughs> on a loop. What did I say? What did I yeah. say? Yeah, exactly. I'll make it a GIF. A GIF? I think it is GIF, right? GIF. I think it's I think GIF. It is. Yeah. Although I, I've never made one myself, so. You should. I, I, I should. I don't know which one I'd make it. But I'd make it of your story. Please do. There you go. It's all yours. Uh, um, well, Speaking of your work, um, because of the miracles of modern sciences, we can safely gather now for live events, mm-hmm. um, even though we can still Zoom and do things, of course, as well. I think Zoom's here to stay, don't you? I think Zoom, I, I agree. Zoom is here to stay. Yeah. I think, or, or Microsoft Teams or whatever yeah, you want to brand it is. Whatever. Uh, think, WebEx. Yeah. Whatever you're into. Skype, uh, if you're old Skype. school, you yeah. know, whatever. Um, uh I'm curious um, because it, con- it, it connects us in different ways, and there's different ways of using the mediums. And um, I know you uh, remember talking to Kevin Scott uh, and some other guys, Charlie as well, so asking like, you know, how like how it's played, like playing over Zoom, playing over the web. Um, and I'm happy to hear your thoughts of you know using that using a you know playing through a filter a live fil- playing live through a filter mm-hmm. is a lot different than filming a show and putting it out there yeah. so i'm curious how in your reflection over the past two years your experience of that and if that was fulfilling to you doing improvisation um over the zoom filter if you will and try to connect with people and part two ish of the question is that um how now that you have done some live shows, uh, I'm curious. Um, how does the past two years of of living on Zoom and 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 the and the audiences having had to live through Zoom shape the content uh, and inform the show? Um. Well, I okay. Back in the before times, yeah. Um, and even now. Whenever I would sort of walk around the city and, and go about my business and I, something funny would occur to me or just crack me up or whatever, I would, you know, write it on a piece of paper in my notebook or email it to myself. And then, um, and I, so I acquired all these bits and pieces in different places and stuff. And then um, in early June of uh, 2020, um, you know, we all thought like, yeah, back in, once June hits, we'll be back. And then at that point, we were like, oh, no, this is, we're not going back. We're not going anywhere. There was a, yeah. Yeah. So 
what I did was I said to myself, um, I would get up every morning, get up really early, which I love to do, and um, sit there in the living room with my coffee. And uh, I opened up all my, all those bits and pieces and all those things, all those emails I had sent myself that never, I never opened or whatever. So I opened everything up and I took out my old stand-up comedy material and I sat down and um, I said to myself, uh, I, had, I had just read uh, Twyla Tharp's um, The Creative Habit. And she said to, in the book, she says to give yourself like a, a really big quota, like just like sort of like an overwhelming quota of something to do and, it, and go for it. And then she says, you know, get involved in the process, but you have to have product too. So I was like, okay, that's kind of like a, a revelation for me. So I, what I decided from June 16th of 2020 through uh, Labor Day, that's, be, that's at the end of the summer, right? Yeah, I always yeah, confuse yeah, that I know. Memorial Day. Memorial Day. So that through Labor Day, every day I would get up in the morning, I would, I would work and craft one of those bits. And then my daughter Una showed me how to use Instagram Live. And so I set up my Instagram Live and then I would work on my bit, you know, and then I would go like, okay, here goes, I'm going to do it. And then I would sort of look at it and then I would put it away and I would look in the camera and I would just do, and I called it Matt's Morning Monologues. So I ended up doing like 57 of them. And uh, there were a couple of days when I missed, but then the next day I would be sure to do two. Um, sometimes if I didn't have anything written, which was, which was rare, I would go out on my run and then just like see a flower or something and just like improvise a little monologue or whatever. Mm -hmm. But um, so for me, um, having that access to that and it's i have um, anxiety around social media i i don't really post a whole lot i'm just for some reason i'm just a little anxious about it okay. for some weird thing that's okay you're allowed yeah. to be thank you, you know, sure. uh but that was really sort of it was therapeutic and it was really cool and so as a result i ended up with um uh, with a lot of material which i've continued to go back and craft and then what I did, I would do these Zoom, like Matt's work in progress things. And I always called it a work in progress just to keep the bar low for, <laughs> for the, right. the family and friends that I would invite. So I would invite like neighbors and family and right. friends to watch these Zoom things. And we'd clear the living room, set up my camera and, you know, put some like holiday lights or whatever around. And I would do these sets of material. And then I would do some improvisation. And, um, and after a while, so I did a, I did a bunch of those. And after a while, I kind of thought like, oh, is this kind of like self-indulgent or whatever? And I think it is to some degree, but people would then sort of stop me and, and like say afterwards, like, thanks a lot for doing this. This is something cool and different to do as we sit here in our living room together, you know? And, um, and so for me, like sort of continuing on, I, I love that idea that I don't have to go anywhere. I can just set up my, my camera and my light and, you know, do some comedy. And um, somebody actually might appreciate it uh, outside of myself or whatever. And, and Una and I did some things too. Like I had this story about um, when I got hit in the head with a baseball as a kid. So we made it into a 15-minute musical. And, um, and she choreographed it and, and like, you know, we we made up some music for it and everything. Oh my so I don't know if that answers your question about like. Well, I, 
No, not at no. all. No, okay. okay. No, I'm teasing. Uh, it's it's totally no. It, it is fine because like you talk about how you're using technology. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think I gave you a lot to, t- to talk about. Um, but yeah, so, but, but the but, thing, but the, but the yeah. thing is that I think that you're. Um, but the point like you're using technology, using Zoom, Instagram, you're finding ways of being creative through it, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. which I think is fantastic. Um, the second part I do want to hear about though is that you know now that you're doing live shows, like is like the content and everything um, like so pandemic heavy? Uh, no, in fact, uh, like in terms of the stuff that I've written, um, like like I feel. Uh, like I feel ready to go ahead and go into comedy clubs and and stuff like I feel like I have a package ready and um, and I'm looking forward to doing that mm-hmm. and so I feel that zoom and Instagram live that really helped me craft this stuff and the cool thing was that I could do it sort of immediately right. like I didn't have to get on the train go downtown and see it's like hey could you let me Mm-hmm. You know, do something like I just did it myself yeah. whenever I wanted to do it. Yeah. If I wanted to start the show at eight fifteen, I would. You know, <laughs> and um, and so I feel that like I don't think that my material is deals with the pandemic at, at all, really. Good. Because I feel like well, also I think you know the pandemic's going to go away, and I don't want my material to have much yeah, of a shelf very life. Dated. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But in terms of improvisation, we, uh, you know, working with Shira over over Zoom, um, and then me and my my buddies in Centralia, we did get together, and we do get together, and we rehearse and and uh, jam. Now that we're able to, you know, gather in a room together, that's awesome. Yeah, it's that's pretty awesome. cool. And how frequently are you guys performing together now? Um, well, we did one show like a month and a half ago, so we haven't done much performing. If you know, we just did that one, but we have been meeting, trying to meet regularly uh, in person, and um, uh, you know, to rehearse and work on things that we feel like we're, you know, we could uh, use some work on. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, you know, the thing that for me, the the Zoom and all that stuff uh, was really a lifeline uh, throughout the pandemic. I don't know if you felt, did you feel the same way? Did you have like a lot of Zoom, like creative connections? I mean, we, I think we used it in a good way through In What Artworks. Like for instance, um, when we announced our filmmaker fund, you know, we couldn't have like a party to celebrate the filmmakers. Mm-hmm. So I got them all on Zoom. We did like a webinar where I said, hey, everybody, meet all the filmmakers and they could talk about the projects. And, and so that was really cool. Uh, and then when we did our, um, like at the end of the year, we might do it again this year. Um, our for the podcast, we have the live and local, where we interview local um, musicians and have mm-hmm. them play live. And so we said, "Hey, here's a snippet of, you know, some of the musicians we had on, which was cool." So I think it, it connected people in that way. Um, but as far as like you know, working in a working place, like I think it, I think it helped in many ways. Like you would see cousins and things like that, and family members who weren't aware they could have access to these things. And so you end up speaking to people you haven't spoke to in years, Yeah, which I thought that was really cool. Very and I, cool. And, I think, and so now I think that's, that's why, that's why I feel like zoom is here slash whatever you want to call it, um, is here to set here to stay, uh, because mm-hmm. it does bring, bring connectivity into your life more. But I do feel same, same breath. I'll say like, 
I still prefer nothing beats having, you know, uh, a pumpkin latte with you or, yeah. or whatever and hanging out and just shooting the breeze. Yeah. Nothing beats the sound of, you know, cellophane wrapper in the theater. Right. Don't right. Exactly. Yeah. And, and also, um, do you go out and see a lot of stuff now that the world has opened up more? Do you go out and see stuff more? Oh, uh, um, I don't know. Yes, definitely more than when we were well, completely locked down, yeah, sure. for sure. Yeah. But yes, we've gone out to see to see some things, and um, uh, yeah, I've gone to see some stand up. And um, Una, my daughter's gone to see concerts, and my other daughter Kirsten just went to see The Lion King. And uh, so, yeah, you know what's interesting is that like talking about like. Uh, what you're doing right here with this interview and stuff like that. Um, one thing that you should know um, is that how validating it is to be asked to to do this. Like for me, it it really means a lot, and um, I'm really grateful because it's um, you know sometimes you like as an artist, uh, f- speaking for me personally, sometimes you need that like um, that little you know, like somebody saying to like, like something, someone seeing you and saying like, Hey, what, what you do is worthy of being on, you know, my podcast or, or whatever. And so it, um, so it's kind of big for me and I, I really appreciate it. We're really big and in what yeah. I tell you. The other day I was but doing an improv you. workshop and, um, this person, this participant said, uh, to me, like, uh, like you're a really good storyteller. And it blew me away, and I, I I thanked this person, and then I felt compelled to go back up and say, "Look, like you really don't know, like that meant a lot to oh, me." Man. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, um, again, maybe it's just me personally, but like I really do like these these little things really do make an impact, and and I think that you should know that um, that what you, what you're doing really resonates um, m- more than you think. Probably. Thanks, Matt. I appreciate it. Well. As I said before, you're a creative force, and um, and people. Epic said, going back to kind of what I said to you earlier, it's like people have seen you and so many different Inwood artworks incarnations throughout the years, and that you know we believe in people, and and I and I always ask myself like why we do these podcasts because um, we uh, this isn't something like we're always going to do podcasts because that's what we do. It's like, I'm always reevaluating going like, are these, is anybody, does anybody care? Does anybody, mm-hmm. like, does anybody listen to it? And it's like, well, why do we do these? And, and I do feel a, a, an aspect of it is, is for artists. Like it is for the artist, but it's also for people who are genuinely interested in a learning new things. Mm-hmm. I always kind of have like, it's always kind of like an educational aspect to it, I think in some way. Um, Cause I, we always do end up talking about some kind of process or people's process or, and you know, what makes them you know, inform what they do in different ways, which I think is valuable no matter which genre you may be um, either working in or admiring. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I feel it is helpful. I hope it's helpful totally and then is. maybe entertaining as well. So yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. there, and so if, if, we, if we achieve the third, so be it, but, um, yeah. we're, we're not promising that one. I love that you use what you have. So like, you've got this room and you're like, oh, when I walk in, you know, it actually sounds really good. And it's, you know, we've got light coming in and all this other stuff. And I love like, for example, your back porch show. I just think that's great. I just love the vibe of it. And um, there's just, 
it's just wonderful, right? I mean, it's just it kind is of perfect. Yeah. And um, I love doing things that when I'm doing them, I'm like, oh, this is legendary. You well, know what I mean? I'm kind of like, I, I can you. tell people I'm performing on a back porch. Yeah. You know, you might be on Broadway, <laughs> mister, but I'm on a back porch. Exactly. You know? Um, yeah. <laughs> well, when you, when you do teach people, when you do talk to people, and you kind of mentioned earlier with your advice to the young man, mm -hmm. um, you know, what advice do you give to someone who'd like to try improv? And who, uh, not, just, not just about putting themselves forward and getting in front of people, but like... Um, you know, for someone who, or, or, or stand-up comedy or, or whichever way they want to express themselves in performance, um, what advice could you, because you do teach um, mm -hmm. improv, and so I, I just feel like it'd be really great for people to hear from you who may or may not have experience about, about how, how to put themselves forward. Um, well, in, in terms of, uh, I guess I'll start with stand-up comedy. Um, so I started doing it you know, when I was in college. And, um, and then I sort of, I got away from it and I did sort of different variations of it. Um, and one thing that I noticed is that the people who are very successful in stand-up comedy, um, I'll take like Jim Gaffigan, for example. Uh, the one thing I noticed is that they're, they're really cool people. And um, also when I would, I would take note that when, you know, in the clubs and stuff like that, I would always notice, like, he would drift off uh, onto a corner and uh, take out his material and look at it. So I think preparation is key. I think that, like, right, you know, jotting things down, I think that's really clutch and finding sort of, like, your own rhythm in doing that. But, um, and then uh, presenting it and all that, but I think the biggest thing in terms of stand-up comedy, over the long term, the thing that I've noticed, the thing that the people that are successful never got off the bus. They just stayed on the bus. Everyone else is gonna get off the bus, but if you stay on it, you're going to, you're gonna get better. Just by process of elimination, you're going to start to acquire, you know, you'll go through like 25 jokes that don't work, but then you're going to have a keeper, then you're just going to keep on building those keepers before you know it. I mean, really, how hard is it mm -hmm. to compile 60 or 45 minutes? It's, I don't, I don't think it's that hard. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like if you sort of have a knack for it, but you have to stay with it and um, you have to stay with it, take care of yourself. Don't, you know, don't get wasted all the time, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And uh, and stay with it, stay out there. Don't bad talk people or anything like that. Keep your good Relationships rep. Relationships are key. Totally. And um, and don't get off the bus, just don't quit. If you wanna make it, don't quit. Yeah, I can't remember, maybe it was Seinfeld or somebody else said like, you know, how did you get this gig? He's like, well, people kept on getting out of line in front of me. Right. You know, that kind of, that, that, that mm -hmm. same analogy, you know, works and yeah, just don't cut the bus and you know, keep, keep you know, staying on there and, um, and it, it's interesting you say that because I had a different conversation with someone else recently on a podcast uh, or something, something along, along those lines um, about the people, the, the, the company you keep, mm -hmm. um, which is kind of goes with what you're saying too. Um, don't go, 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 go get, don't go, go waste it. Don't do, don't do the wrong things. Um, is that when you're over, and, and you can start at any age, so that it's, it's not age. Age is not a factor. Yeah. But I will say though, like if you. You need to talk about don't get off the bus, which it implies that you're, you, you've dedicated yourself 
to doing things consistently for a period of time. And it's interesting when you are at a certain period of time in your career, however relative that is to your career, the company that is around you, and you see the people who are, if it will take stand-up comedy in, in this particular instance, saying like the people who are 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 moving forward in different directions and have branched out, um, and you did something maybe with them ten years ago, and and they're and they're in a totally different place, which isn't neither. We'll say better or worse for whatever, but they're still here, which right. is, that's the impressive thing, I think. The fact that you're still there. Because uh, success is relative. It's in the eye of the beholder, you know, however, whatever is like the bar to reach, um, that's for everyone else to, de- for you to decide and for everyone else to admire, I guess. Um, but I, to, to me, that's, that's the most wonderful thing is to see your peers with you still. Uh, and they, and then you could only think reflectively they're seeing you back. Yeah. And so that's, yeah, that's totally, that, and that, that, that should be joyful. I think, you know? Yeah. I think that, yeah, that's, yeah. I think that joyful is, is a great word because that's, I think that's essential that you're, that, I mean, you're, you definitely have ups and downs and all that, Sure, but it, it should be like when you, it, you should have the feeling I think of, uh, of play mm-hmm. when you get onto the stage. And I feel like when I sort of, tr- to use um, my friend Josh Livwright's word, when you drop into it, when you feel yourself drop in, and he's really, I, I did, you know, Josh is, you know, we have a very close friendship, and um, uh, we, he, he directed and co-produced the, the improviser mm-hmm. movie that I did, and, um, and, he really like he made a really big impact on me like really sort of we would meet in um in bread and yoga on sunday nights and we would just sort of sit there he and i and uh he would sort of sit there and just i would get up and improvise and just like it was crazy it was really cool and fun and like again it's kind of like the back porch it's just like what a beautiful experience to be sitting in in a room with my friend in the yoga studio on a sunday night at like 11 o'clock at night and you know the whole world's doing their thing but right. we're doing this and um and he you know really sort of talked about like just dropping into the play mm-hmm. and um i i find that when um when i'm teaching improvisation uh i f- i feel the same way i feel like i'm really in my comfort zone in a good way and um we, you talked about like people wanting to get into improvisation and that I always tell people, uh, you know, I want you to do this for the rest of your life. So I would never, you know, it's just all about, it's all about play. It's all about being able to drop into play mm-hmm. and let everything, let everything else go and just sort of return to your childhood, um, you know, as an adult mm-hmm. and play and just have, you know, just have fun. And, um, and so uh, I would say, I would encourage people to take an improv class just to sort of get some tools and to be around, you know, like-minded people who want to play. And, um, yes, and that'll, and that'll help them form them. Yeah, yeah. I, I um, Aaron, I keep, like, I have a running list of people in my head, in my life, who, who uh, are willing to play. Um, my, my super, um, who, he, he has since retired, but my super, Oswaldo, he was somebody who would play with me anytime. 
And so he always come, he would always come to see our up theater productions. And, um, he came to see the, the one where, so I was playing a character who didn't, you know, have much money, but wanted to send his kid a James Bosley play called, um, uh, Broad Channel. And he wants to send his way, his kid away to sleep away college mm -hmm. and the kids like stealing cars and stuff like that. So, uh, so he has this, this work of art that he wants to sell and they don't have anything, but they have this. And, um, so anyway, so as it turns out, it's like a piece of, of stolen Nazi art that his father got during World War II, you know, just sort of happened upon, like traded for cigarettes or something mm -hmm. like that as a GI. And anyway, so, um, and then, you know, a bunch of problems happen. But, uh, so, um, with my NK comma Joseph, uh, uh, Kirby, Kirby's play. Um, so anyway, so my super, like I told him, I'm like, Oswaldo, I, I'm going to sell this. Uh, we have a mural in our lobby. I'm like, I'm going to sell it. I'm going to put it on eBay. I'm going to need your help. And he's like, he, he's all, he plays right along. He's like, you're crazy, Higgins. You're crazy. And I'm like, no, I'm not crazy. I'm going to cut you in, man. I'm going to cut you in. And um, uh, so, and then there's the guy at a local, the local coffee shop who plays also, uh, I, I said to him one time, he, he gave me my coffee, and I said, uh, thanks a lot. And he goes, have a great day. And I said, oh, I will. <laughs> like that. And then he goes, no, you won't. <laughs> like that. And then I was like, what? Another person from my playlist? That's really awesome. So Yeah, then I went outside, and I was like in the mirror like, or the window trying to like play with people. And, and he was looking at me like, no, nope. you're not going <laughs> to. Yeah, happen. so. That's so much, but that, that's great. And the, yeah. well, first off, great advice. Thank you for offering that to people. Uh, but and secondly, I think it's um, it's like it informs your life. Like you're just talking about, it's like yeah. the playing <laughs> it carries on and mm -hmm. it, it becomes who you are or part of who you are. Anyway. Yeah. And I we, think it's really wonderful. Yeah, we. I, I think at a certain point, most people sort of lose that uh, that play. And I think that it's really help, healthy. I, I also think, honestly, I think it's a bit subversive as well to play. Um, and, you know, during, you know, so many things happened over the past two years um, with the George, George Floyd murder, um, all kinds of, all kinds of things. And, um, and I really would think to myself, like, how can I help? What can I do? And um, I really do feel that uh, if I can just in some small way, like, like yeah, I'll go to protests and I have, uh, you know, rarely on occasion when I'm available and I can or whatever. Um, but I also do think that like on a day-to-day -day basis, like if we can just like continue to play and not, you know, fight depression and... Um, and sadness and all that sort of thing and find joy, I think it infuses us with energy. And Absolutely. Don't you think? I do. I really do. I feel, um, I may not be on your list, but I'll tell you what. You're on I, it. I, oh, oh, You're on a different you, list. You just have to say that. You're on a different list. <laughs> oh, gosh, I don't know what that list is. Well. But anyway, um, but I, my point is like, I. first off, I'm just so happy you said that because that's kind of like, Tying together, you talk about your family earlier. Like my family was very much like that. Mm -hmm. Like it was like living on a sitcom twenty four hours a day in my house. Like between like 
the 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 banter, the witty banter, sending up mm-hmm. and you know between my mom, my dad, my brother, and my sister. And so I learned that sense of play from with, with them and from them. And uh, I mean, and more more on the phone or whatever. We don't zoom in our family, but but we do. But we do the phone calls, whatever. And it's yeah, there's it's it's sharp and it's like your like your barista conversation. It's like, how was your day? Oh well, it's really great. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, you know, yeah, you're yeah, just like yeah. what? Uh, you know, things like that. Just ribbing and undercutting whatever and I, I i love the fact that you have an inventory of people and i think like i couldn't agree more with you to have um a little more f- fun out there in the world and uh, and maintaining that little bit of innocence i guess mm-hmm. in some ways too um and maybe not take things so seriously but yet be respectful i guess in some totally. ways when yeah, you can, yeah. and know your boundary lines i guess we'll say that but uh yeah i couldn't agree good more good clean fun good clean fun good clean that's fun. right yeah i know that you i i know from you know looking at your you're a proud uncle right? oh yeah i mean i those are my those are my surrogate kids for sure yeah. i mean they're out there i mean i tried don't it's funny i, I you know in, in, in what artworks is two full-time jobs. And yeah. so it's usually doing all that. So occasionally I'll throw something out on my personal feed and it'll usually, yeah. Yeah. Doting on the cool kids that yeah, they totally. are. But that's Fishing. Right. What's that? Fishing. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah whatever. Uh, and tomorrow, I don't know if you know this or not. I'm sure you do that. Uh, the Bengals. Are you Cincinnati? Bengals? Oh, absolutely. They, they, we're, they play we're, the Chargers tomorrow. I don't know if you know that. Oh, I, I'm pretty sure. I, I do know. Chargers, I did yeah. know that. I forgot, but I do. I just, well, here's the thing. It's like living in New York. I mean, I'm still a Cincinnati guy at heart, but like, you know, Reds and Bengals, but it's like you never get to watch them because uh, and you're a Philly guy. So totally. you, at least you have some kind of market here, um, but you probably don't get to watch them as much no. either, or the Phillies or the Eagles or whatever. Um, and so it, you kind of lose, like, it used to be, you know, when we were younger, like you'd actually get a paper and you'd yeah. look for the box score and you'd try to see, oh, you know, they got how many yards they rushed yeah. and caught. And yeah, you don't, you just lose sight. But yes, yeah, so the Bengals have done pretty well this season so far. I'd knock on whatever wood here I have. Yeah. Um, and it's fun. But yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. And, and so we'll, we'll, we, we cheer them on when we can, but yet Cincinnati has had so many lean years. We don't get our hopes too high. No, don't, don't. <laughs> uh, you know, you, I don't know if you know this or not, but Tracy uh, is a diehard Mets fan. So I have become a Mets fan as well because of, of Tracy. And um, I would love to do uh, I would love to do a show with you at Inwood Artworks. Tracy has a character uh, she calls Sheila, and um, so Tracy knows everything about the Mets. Like I'm telling, like diehard, and um, she did a lot of growing up in, in Astoria. Sure. Uh, spent yeah. summers in Astoria and lots of other times. But um, so uh, she's Sheila, and I'm her husband, Hammerhead, and we're both that. We're just these two like diehard, you know, kind of, um, you know, really uh, sort of like trying to make ends meet people. You know, regular people that are, she's just like, you know, come on. You know, this really diehard. Like you're saying, you can never yeah. get your hopes too high no, with too high. teams like that. Well, with the Mets particularly, you can't yeah. get your hopes too high. 
No, I, I'm with you. I like the Mets as well. Having moved to New York, you would. I, I, I swear to God, I thought when I moved to New York, I'd become a Yankees fan, but it wasn't the case. I became yeah. more of a Mets fan. What is that fan. about? Why not? I don't know. Well, it's, Me either. It, it, it's more weird for us, too, because like I grew up, Don Mattingly was like my favorite baseball player. Yeah. He was from Evansville, Indiana, and he played for the Yankees, um, and was it was a big deal. And then, uh, so I idolized him at all his baseball cards and things like that. And, you know, 86 Mets happened, too, and like I liked Mike Good and Daryl Strawberry and, you know, Keith Hernandez. Mendez and whoever else was on the team at the time, um, you know. So I liked the Mets too, but like the Yankees, just like it was weird. Like, but the, the Yankees never won anything. Like mm. in the eighties and like seventies and really late seventies, early to eighties and nineties. And then, then when Mattingly retired, Jeter came on the team and they just won everything. Yeah, they just won everything, and it became like yeah for the Yankees. And it was like, but then they just kept winning everything and yeah. everything, and it became no fun. Yeah, I think in some ways, and then they had like the payroll, like just like we can now spend, we can buy two of your teams, uh, and put them on our team kind yeah. of thing. And I think that to me kind of like, soured me a little bit over the years, and then yeah. and then I forgot about it, and then came here. I was like, yeah, the Mets, they're kind of fun. Well, yeah. first off, we'd love to have you and Tracy perform your Please, your bit at you. something I like just that. Sort of put put the pressure so, on you. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll have to figure out when we can do that. Um, hopefully, we'll have a new pop-up or a venue of some kind to, to do that, or the back porch for yeah. that matter. You know, I, I don't know if you know, I don't know if you've ever met my daughter, Kirsten. She's an amazing improviser oh. as well. I've so maybe we'll briefly. do the whole family. Bring we'll them do, on. Bring yeah. Una, bring everybody. We'll yeah, bring, I'll be like the, like the really, whatever, sort of like... The Swiss Family Higgins yeah, or something Swiss like that. Swiss Family Higgins, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know what's weird? Like, back to sports for a second. Yeah. What, so growing up in Philly, there was a, there was a, a, guy, a kid... Uh, so now this is at, at the point when we moved out to Warminster, which is just right outside of Philly. Um, there was a kid who like was a diehard Cowboys fan, and strange. Um, you know, strange. And like I, I could never figure that out. I don't like Cowboys fans. Like if you like moved to Philly, so you weren't born and raised there, then that's fine. But like I couldn't understand. Like how could you be a Cowboys fan? And um, and I think that people just want, and I think it's the same thing. Tell me what you think of this theory. So I think it's even with like the Yankees. I think that people, it's like, um, it's like psychological capital. Like they just want to be associated with a winner. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why people are kind of like, I, you know, don't get me wrong. I respect the United States of America just like anybody else. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, people are kind of like USA, USA. Right. It's like, you know. Yeah, they want to be. They, they want. They want to be part of the big team. Be the, part the, of the, yeah. yeah Associated so with the winner. So, so it's a reflection of themselves. You yeah. Said, yeah. True. Yeah. And hey, man, whatever you need to do. You, you don't. You don't hear anybody ever saying, you know, I really love. I, I, I mean, it'd be great to be a Baltimore Oriole. Yeah. Like no one ever says that. You and just, I like the Baltimore Orioles. You just Orioles. said it. Actually, I like the Baltimore Orioles. Yeah. I was a big Karupkin fan. And so you're my Baltimore friends out there. I'm with you, actually. Yeah, actually I, I have nothing against And actually, Camden Yards may be one of the prettiest parks I've ever been uh, to. Phil, I don't... The, you know, Philadelphia you, Field, Citizens Bank. Very nice. Very, very nice. nice. But I just like, Camden Yards, when it was built, they're like all like the... Yeah. Pretty, it was a pretty park. But, but my point is like, Baltimore's been bad so many years. Like, mm -hmm. it's not like they're saying, oh... They don't have like the pedigree, the Yankees slash or Cowboys versus like the Detroit Lions, for instance. Oh man! And Detroit Lions are I, really okay. sucking air right now. Well, but, I wrote um, a, um, and I like Detroit yeah. too. I have family up there, but it's rough, right? Totally. I saw actually. Side note, uh, I saw this podcast. I saw is getting a, deep. 
I saw an Oriole. I was out for a run. First of all, for people who don't know Inwood, it's a beautiful place. Um, it's really hard sometimes, you know, it's Manhattan, yeah. but it's really beautiful. And uh, Lots really, of foliage. Yeah, exactly. I, the other day, or not the other day, like a couple months ago, I saw, I saw um, an Oriole. Like I'd never seen one before. It's a beautiful bird. Yeah. Yeah, the, the bird watching happens here a lot. They yeah. do bird watchers go out in the forest, and yeah. I watch the bird watchers. I'm a bird watch watcher. <laughs> that should be. That should be. I think that'd be great if you like started like a Facebook group called yeah. the Inwood Bird Watcher Watchers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> then, like, then you post yeah. pictures of the people you yeah. see watching birds. Yes, I just that admire your their, social media yeah. like obsession. That's what it's going to be. And <laughs> admire their binoculars. Page. Yes. Wow, wow, look at his binoculars. Yeah, yeah, you and you start you start writing down like about their gear. Did you yeah. see Sally wearing the X four five binoculars? Yeah. That guy's whatever. not Sony's. They're Sony's or whatever. I don't know. I'm yeah, making this all up. No, no, no. But I think you're probably right. They probably are Sony's. <laughs> they probably are. Um, but getting back to something before we sign off, and because uh, we can't keep you here all day, unfortunately. Um, so what's going on with What If series and the improviser? Are there, are there there going to be more what ifs because we had um, a road rage as part of the mm-hmm. film festival, yes. and we put up um, we put up the other what if ones as part of our short film Fridays uh, this past year during the pandemic for mm-hmm. the film festival. And then the improviser, I know you had the, the long the long version of it going on. Um, do you have plans for either a expanding on the what if series uh, and filming more um, and and spreading the love? Um, and also about want to hear about what's going on with the improviser. Well, um, we don't have any current plans for what if, but that doesn't mean something couldn't happen. Yeah. Um, actually, I'm now a part of the Xena Group Theater with with Josh Livright. Oh, great. So that's his thing, yes. and then he asked me to be on the board. So I feel wow. really, yeah, I feel really. Great. Congratulations! Thank you very much. He didn't um, ask me. Well, I, I, I think I think he needed a he just needed a warm body. I'm just uh, now, that's not true at all. Now, but um, so I'm I'm hopeful that you know once all this stuff sort of clears more, uh, that we'll be able to do more stuff like that. Um, I love working with Victor Verhage. He's just absolutely hysterical. He's a great guy and really funny. Very talented. Yeah, and um, and in terms of the improviser, well. No, nothing's really. I mean, I I put it up on YouTube. We we submitted it to film festivals and things like that. But um, one thing that did I feel like that was part of a process. So I feel um, that I would love to be able to. So for example, uh, I'd love to have a Netflix series of of doing that kind of a thing. Um, or some kind, you know, Hulu or whatever. I don't know. One of those Amazon. You don't have to pick a channel. They'll pick. No, one. I feel like I, I feel compelled to pick a channel right here, <laughs> right now. All right. Um, Get locked into it. Okay. Yeah. It's going to be uh, UHF. A UHF. Oh man. I want to go back Weird, to a U- Weird Al is going to produce your film. Yeah, exactly. I loved that movie. Yeah. Uh, what is it? UHF is actually a movie. Oh by, really? By Weird Al Yankovic, actually. Really. Yeah, but obviously you're actually referring to the UHF dial. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So. Um, so I would love to do a series of, of those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. I, I, um, I also would love to, uh, continue to hybrid improvisation into my standup and find some sort of like, um, sweet spot or whatever. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so, yeah. 
And is that part of your plan for 2022? Like, do you have any concrete ones? I do have like concrete goals, like things I want to achieve. Yeah. Oh man. Should I put it out there in the universe? Yeah, man. I should totally put it out there in the universe. Get do- ready, Ken. Here it comes. Uh, I would, I would love to, uh, have like a, a, a comedy central Netflix HBO special, like a 45 minute thing. That, that's a dream of mine to do that. And I would love to do that soon. I'd love to do that in 2020. I'd love to have it done by September 1st, 2022. Well, I Netflix, HBO, Hulu, Amazon, if you're out there, you have your instructions. Go find this man and hire him and let him do his show. Do you do that? Do you put things out? Do you say, like, I'm going to do this in 2022? That's interesting. No one ever, Here's the thing. No one ever asks me that kind of stuff. It's really funny. Like, I don't on myself do it, but I actually I was telling uh, Ken, our technical director, earlier today um, that Matt was refer- referencing, referencing earlier, um, you know, about, like, what we as and what our artworks were trying to, you know, kind of there's the things that we want to do and we know that we can't, and then there's the things we know we can do mm-hmm. given like, cause we're so beholden to like restrictions of space and things like that to make things organized to work. And it's less about saying like, I want X amount of like, like a whatever, like we uh, bring, bring a pro uh, bring a specific project to premonition. I'm saying like, you know, wish we got a grant of some kind or something like that. It's like, we're seeing like what's, we kind of it's it's weird. It's like we we should do more of what you're doing. I think in many ways of saying yeah, we'd like to do that, but we're looking at like the finances going. Well, we can't afford these yeah. things because um, presenting and producing is because we're the ones having to present present it and produce it. Um, but I think what you're doing is great, and I think all artists should do it. And we um, we do have aspirations of saying you know I think there's like the box for us is a little more practical going, this is what we want to do. This is what we can do. This is what we aspire to do. And if we get X amount of dollars, we can do this. And we, 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 can we do it next year? No, but I bet we can do it next year after that. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's things like that that we've always, because we've always wanted to do, you know, first thing with artworks goes, like when I created it, I've always wanted to do, like, you know, the first, you know, like a full professional play up here in northern Manhattan and uh, a musical or whatever, opera, we call it whatever you want to, depending on the subject matter. Um, and, you know, we're also very venue dependent here as well. Yeah. And so there's, there's, there's a lot of things that f- factor into it. But it's great to keep putting it out there and aspiring to do that. Um, it's just the most expensive thing to do out of everything we do. Because it's like, okay, the film festivals and the podcasts, and they all cost money to produce and present. The outdoor films, you know, the, there's everything cost. But to, to do a play is incredibly labor intensive, and it's definitely the most expensive possible thing. What if you did we it can like do, in unless, here? Uh, outside of a feature film. But what if you did it like just with no lights, no anything, just kind of like yeah. right here? Well, just- I think your um, site specific stuff is definitely, there's, I think there's, really wonderful ways of doing that. And I think, yeah, we can have like, and I think it's because of relationships we've made, like we could do small things like, mm-hmm. like you could do Virginia Woolf in here. Yeah, you could totally. do, you, you, you could do all sorts of really like mm-hmm. zoo story or the Dutchman or, mm-hmm. um, or a new play with, with, with by a new local writer. Um, and I think, uh, I think, I think what we'd love to do again is short form stuff like the film festivals, the short, like people love the short shorts we do. Um, and like, like the what if series yeah. you guys have. Um, I think by, I think bringing in like like 
commissioning local writers to do like a 10 minute play festival would be awesome and, and, and do it locally. I think, I think yeah. that, that to us, I think is like kind of the next step what I think we're going to do um, theater wise that makes sense to us. Um, yeah. Cause it's, it's, it's on mission for us and, uh, and have people like you to do, you know, bring in, bring in your Mets uh, one act play. Well, Kevin Scott uh, used to produce a, uh, a series called um, down way down, you know, on 23rd street, I think it was a Gotham improv. Mm-hmm. They, it, he called it midnights and it was like a 10 minute, like every Saturday, uh, I think he, I, I'm not sure if he would like give a theme for the week and then people would kind of like write a play and it had to, you know, be less than oh, 10 right. minutes. Yeah. It was pretty cool. That is very cool. Yeah. yeah. And a great a writing exercise and creative access people too. Yeah. Particularly if you have the same group of writers or, or have writers you trust to bring in. But also it's great meeting new people as well. Yeah. Well, that seems like a great, great project for all of us in 2022. And uh, I see no reason why you can't have your show. Yeah, well, you know, the thing is, like, by you, like, it's kind of, it was kind of scary to, like, put that out there. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like to, to say that sure. and to sort of put it out there. Now I go, like, oh, God, now everyone knows and the people are going to, you know. That's okay. We can edit out in post-production. Yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> I really appreciate that. Of course we won't because I think it's great that you put it out there. Or it would be really great that we just edit out what you said or bleep it and then no one knows what you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What did you say you wanted to do Una, again? Una has this great joke, uh, and she got it from her friends. Uh, but I'll, I'll, I'll say it to you. Um, you uh, did, did you like my uh, did you like my gaslighting joke? What gaslighting joke? I told it to you. <laughs> Get it? Yes. I think she does it better though. She. It's okay. We 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 got it. What? We got it. We got what? What are you talking about? Oh, I gaslighted you again. Oh, oh. man. It's what it's like being the host with not the most. Yeah. Wah, wah. Well, Matt, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much for coming on uh, in What Artworks On Air. So before we say adieu, uh, where can people go to find out all about your work, even though maybe you won't be on because you don't do a lot of social media? Yeah. Um, oh, well, like I guess. Your website, maybe? Yeah, well, yeah, I've got my website that I have to uh, see. This is great because now I might have to go back and look at it. I haven't <laughs> updated it in a very long time. So, uh, yeah, so it's matthigginswebsite.com. And, um, and then there's also uh, Matt Higgins NYC, my Instagram handle. And I think it's, you can find me on Facebook. As there you well. go. Go. Netflix, go find them there. Please do. And, uh, and, and all the rest of you listeners as well. Love, to, love for you to go out and support Matt. He deserves it. And if you see him uh, around, feel free to play with him. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. <laughs> you bet, buddy. Well, thanks to Matt Higgins for joining us on this Artist Spotlight episode of Input Artworks On Air. It's where we meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes who make their home here in nor- northern Manhattan. Uh, if you have a moment, uh, please Show us some love right now and go rate this podcast on Apple Podcasts. It really helps. Many thanks to the Church of Good Shepherd here at Inwood NYC for hosting us and to HighTights.com for local uptown promotional support. Be sure to follow us on social media at Inwood Artworks to keep up with all that we do, which includes the Inwood Film Festival, Filmworks Alfresco, um, pop-up art galleries, live performances, and so much more. You can also support this program and all our free programs at inwoodartworks.nyc backslash donate. This program is sponsored in part 
by public funds the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs in partnership with City Council. From the top of Manhattan and the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much for tuning in. This is Aaron Sims for In What Artworks On Air. Thank mm-hmm. you.